Hello, and welcome to the reading of the Iowa Capital Dispatch for October 20th, 2023. I'm your reader, Stephen Gazier. Ag and Environment, Capital Clicks. Harvest slows amid rainfall, but is still ahead of average. By Jared Strong, October 16th, 2023. About 42% of the state's corn crop and 74% of its soybeans have been harvested this year, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture report on Monday. That is up from 30% of corn and 52% of soybeans a week ago. Harvest progress has been stymied by significant rainfall in the past week. Quote, stations across Iowa's northern half received more than a month's worth of rainfall, wrote state climatologist Justin Gleason in his weekly weather summary. Wide areas of northwest and far eastern Iowa had tremendous rainfall. The highest was 5.29 inches in Sioux Rapids, Gleason reported. The lowest was 0.07 inches in south-central Iowa. The statewide average for rainfall last week was 1.85 inches, which is nearly three times the normally expected amount. Quote, the widespread rain is definitely ill-timed, yet still badly needed, said Mike Nag, the state's agriculture secretary. Though combines are sidelined and harvest progress is slowed, the rain will have a positive impact on recharging soil moisture, establishing cover crops, and replenishing pastures. Less than half of the state's topsoil has sufficient moisture for growing crops, the USDA reported. About 26% of its subsoil has adequate or surplus moisture. Despite delays, this year's harvest is still ahead of the five-year average. The corn harvest is about six days ahead of the average, and soybean harvesting is a full week ahead of the average. Dry conditions throughout the growing season led the crops to mature more quickly. Nearly all of Iowa is experiencing some measure of drought and livestock pastures have suffered. Just 16% of them are rated good or excellent. Quote, livestock conditions were reported as generally good, but some producers continue to haul hay and water to their livestock on pasture, the USDA said. Ag and Environment, Carbon Pipeline. Landowner objects to pipeline hearing on election day. By Jared Strong, October 17, 2023. A landowner in the path of Summit Carbon Solutions' proposed carbon dioxide pipeline said it's improper for state regulators to hold part of the company's evidentiary hearing on Election Day. Quote, To attend or participate in the hearing, persons not residing in the local area of the hearing venue will be traveling away from their home voting precincts. Some, a considerable distance or out of state, making voting difficult if not impossible for those citizens on Election Day, wrote Lisa Ritzert of San Antonio, Texas. Ritzert owns land in Mitchell County that is affected by an extension of Summit's project that is not part of what the Iowa Utilities Board is considering in the hearing. Rather than modify its first permit request, which had the potential to delay the process, Summit initiated a new permit request in June for a 31-mile extension in Floyd and Mitchell counties to connect to the Absolute Energy ethanol plant near St. Ansgar in far northern Iowa. Summit wants to build a roughly 2,000-mile pipeline system in five states to transport captured carbon dioxide from ethanol plants to North Dakota for underground sequestration. It initiated its first hazardous liquid pipeline permit process in Iowa about two years ago, and that includes nearly 690 miles of pipe. Because Richard's land is along the extension route that is subject to a second permit, the IUB denied Richard's request to participate in the first process as an intervener, according to board documents. Landowners who have not signed land easement agreements with the company and who are subject to eminent domain requests have the opportunity to testify at the evidentiary hearing. 
but interveners can participate further by providing expert testimony and by cross-examining witnesses at the hearing. Summit's hearing began in August and paused early this month. There are still some landowners subject to eminent domain who haven't testified. Due to scheduled conflicts, the IUB is unable to resume the hearing until November. In an order last week, the board said the hearing will resume in Fort Dodge from November 6th to 9th, and potentially on November 16th and 17th if Summit has more witnesses to rebut evidence and testimony. The IUB chose not to hold a hearing on November 10th because it is Veterans Day. Quote, the board realizes that November 7th, 2023 is Election Day. However, the hearing must continue, the IUB said in its order. Richard filed an objection to that part of the order. Quote, one might think that the board members of a governmental agency, regardless if not elected themselves, would value the citizenry and voting when making new schedules, Richard wrote. This is yet one more action in the ongoing pattern of the IUB board members and the summit hearing counter to public interest or good. Healthcare. Court order sought requiring pharmacies to fill controversial COVID-19 prescriptions. By Clark Kaufman, October 16, 2023. An Iowa physician is seeking a court order that would require pharmacies to fill prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin for the treatment of COVID-19. The order is being sought as part of a civil lawsuit brought by Dr. Havid Hartsuch, an emergency medicine physician from Bettendorf, against the Iowa Board of Medicine and Iowa Board of Pharmacy in Scott County District Court. Hartsuch, a former Republican state senator, alleges the two licensing boards have attempted to discourage patients from receiving, quote, certain lawful prescription drugs, end quote. His lawsuit references ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19. Two weeks ago, the Journal of the American Medical Association published a study that found roughly 1 out of 20 U.S. adults report using ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19, although neither drug is FDA-approved for that use. Ivermectin is used in humans to treat infections caused by parasitic worms. In 2020, hydroxychloroquine was briefly authorized by the FDA to treat COVID-19, but the agency reversed itself when clinical studies found the drug was unlikely to be effective and had potentially serious side effects. Hart Such's dispute with the two state licensing boards dates back to March 26, 2020, when the two panels sent all state licensed physicians and pharmacists an email with a statement discouraging the use of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin to treat COVID-19. Hart Such claims he successfully petitioned the Board of Medicine to reconsider the issue, and that, on September 11, 2020, the two boards issued a revised statement that said physicians could prescribe the drugs without facing disciplinary action. In October 2021, one of Hartsuch's patients filed a complaint with the Board of Pharmacy, alleging Hartsuch had prescribed him ivermectin, but an eastern Iowa pharmacy then refused to fill the prescription. The complainant said he asked the pharmacist to sign a form verifying the refusal. After the pharmacist refused, the complainant contacted Hartsuch, who called the pharmacy and inquired about the matter. No public action was taken as a result of the complaint, but a few months later, in January 2022, the Iowa Board of Medicine initiated an investigation of Hartsuch. Cedar Rapids man denied ivermectin by pharmacy. Court records show that the investigation of Hartsuch focused on three allegations, that he had acted in an unprofessional manner when dealing with a Walgreens pharmacist, that he spread misleading information about COVID-19 and its treatment, and that he was prescribing drugs for off-label uses not approved by the FDA to treat COVID-19. 
In October 2022, the Board of Medicine wrapped up its investigation and sent a confidential warning letter to Hartsuch reprimanding him for raising his voice to a pharmacist. Two months later, Hartsuch initiated court action against the board, asking a judge to order the board to expunge the warning letter. In his lawsuit, Hartsuch has claimed the warning letter infringes on his right to free speech and places him, quote, in fear of communicating with any pharmacist at all, end quote. He also alleges he hasn't worked in emergency medicine since July 2022 and that the letter has prevented him from securing malpractice insurance and returning to work. The lawsuit claims that only with court intervention will Hartsuch be able to explain to prospective employers that the gap in his work history is attributable entirely to, quote, a rogue board of medicine operating outside of their jurisdiction, end quote. Injunction would force pharmacies to fill prescriptions. As part of his lawsuit, Hartsuch has asked the court to expunge the warning from his, quote, otherwise spotless record, end quote, and have the board close the case permanently so he can, quote, resume the practice of medicine without a cloud of impropriety, end quote. The lawsuit also seeks an injunction that would require Iowa pharmacies to, quote, fill prescriptions for hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, like all other prescription drugs, end quote. Hartsuch told the Iowa Capital Dispatch on Monday that his lawsuit is intended to force the board to, quote, stop threatening doctors and allow doctors to prescribe off-label drugs, and that's all I'm asking for, end quote. As part of the litigation, the Board of Medicine has refused Hartsuch's request for access to its investigative file on him, arguing that a confidential letter of warning isn't a disciplinary action that would be subject to such records to disclosure. The court recently rejected that argument, stating the board cannot, quote, evade judicial review by placing disciplinary action within a confidential letter of warning that purports to close the investigation without initiating a disciplinary proceeding, end quote. While the Board of Medicine sought to resolve some aspects of the dispute on July 18, 2023, by removing the phrase, quote, warning letter, end quote, from its October 2022 letter to him, potentially erasing the disciplinary nature of it, Hartsuch has told the court that the board's initial action has left him with a gap in his work history that, quote, leaves his professional reputation severely damaged, end quote. He claims the warning letter is, quote, the professional equivalent of a scarlet letter to publicly embarrass, end quote, him. Speaking to the Capital Dispatch, Hartsuch noted that the Iowa Board of Medicine has publicly acknowledged investigating at least 17 Iowa doctors over allegations of COVID-related misinformation. He contrasted Iowa's stance on such matters with that of the licensing board in neighboring Nebraska. Quote, the attorney general in Nebraska actually came out with a statement that said, subquote, doctors have a right to treat and to prescribe off-label drugs, and the Board of Medicine cannot intervene, end quotes, Hartsuch said. Quote, in that state, doctors treated COVID, and the result was that here in Iowa, our case fatality rate was 37% higher than in Nebraska. Very similar states. Similar populations, and yet, in our state, if you came down with COVID, you were 37% more likely to die as a result. And that's because the board here has been engaged in something that's illegal, and it's unconstitutional, and it's unlawful, end quote. In October 2021, Nebraska Attorney General Douglas Peterson issued an opinion that stated, quote, The mere fact of prescribing ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19 will not result in our office filing disciplinary actions. According to federal data collected by the Centers for Disease Control and assembled by Worldometer, Iowa has had 1,058,274 cases of COVID-19 and 10,797 deaths. Nebraska has had 
574,399 cases of COVID-19 and 5,063 deaths. Those numbers suggest that of the Nebraskans infected so far, just under 1% have died. Of the Iowans who have been infected, slightly more than 1% have died. Hartsuch served as a state senator from Bettendorf from 2007 to 2010 and ran unsuccessfully for U.S. House in 2008. Cheriton Doctor reports, quote, sham, end quote, investigation. In July, another Iowa physician who has advocated for the use of ivermectin, Dr. Molly James of Cheriton, stated in a post to X, the successor to Twitter, quote, 18 months of a sham board investigation before I was cleared. No accusation of wrongdoing just holding the threat over my head to silence me, for helping patients who were very sick and hospitalized with COVID, end quote. She also posted, quote, After 18 long months, ellipses, marked safe from medical board investigations today, end quote. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, James has gained national attention in some conservative circles for her promotion of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine in treating the virus and for her public condemnations of Dr. Anthony Fauci the Biden administration, and much of the medical establishment in general. Earlier this year, The Lancet published what was billed as the most comprehensive state-by-state analysis of the impact of COVID-19 in various states. The study found a disproportionate number of COVID-19 cases in states that voted heavily Republican in the 2020 presidential election, and indicated the states that imposed more vaccine mandates and mask mandates experienced lower infection rates. Healthcare. Clive Hotel uninspected for two years, faces a second bedbug lawsuit. By Clark Kaufman, October 17, 2023. A central Iowa hotel that hasn't been inspected by the state for more than two years is facing its second lawsuit this year over an alleged bedbug infestation. Rick and Lori Graff of Rush Springs, Oklahoma, are suing Siva Hotels, the owner of the Super 8 Hotel on Forest Avenue in Clive. The Graffs, who are in their 60s, allege they traveled to central Iowa in June of this year to attend several family events, including a memorial service for four family members who died during the COVID-19 pandemic. After checking into the hotel, Rick Graff allegedly was itching badly, developed a rash, and had enough bites covering his groin and legs that he and his wife had to leave the memorial service early to seek medical care. At an urgent care clinic, Rick was allegedly diagnosed with bed bug bites. The graphs say they were forced to discard newly purchased clothing and a suitcase due to what they believe was a bedbug infestation in their room at the Super 8. They allege that hotel management offered them trash and laundry services, but refused to refund the cost of the room or reimburse the couple for their expenses. In court filings, the couple's attorney, Jeffrey Lippman of West Des Moines, stated that, quote, Rather than enjoying a long weekend with family they had not seen for 35 years, the Graffs were forced to return home after one of the few out-of-town trips they had taken in decades, end quote. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages for consumer fraud and premises liability. The company has denied any wrongdoing, and a manager at the hotel declined to comment on the matter Tuesday. Hotel settled prior bedbug lawsuit. Earlier this year, a Waukee man, Trenton Reese, sued Siva Hotels for injuries that he and his daughter allegedly sustained at the same hotel over four days in February 2022. Rose alleged that two days after he and his daughter checked into the Super 8 and were assigned to room 111, he noticed bites on his daughter's arms and saw a bed bug crawling across a pillow on one of the beds. According to the lawsuit, he then photographed bed bugs in the room and took photos of the bites on his daughter's arms. He and his daughter then relocated to a different room at the hotel. 
Court records indicate Reese's lawsuit was settled for $10,000. The Iowa Department of Inspections, Appeals, and Licensing reports that the Clive Hotel was last visited by state inspectors in July 2021 when a pre-opening inspection, triggered by a change in ownership, resulted in the business being cited for two minor infractions involving a failure to post room rates and guests' rights. Prior to 2014, DIA was inspecting all hotels within its jurisdiction at least once every two years, but those routine inspections were halted during the administration of Governor Terry Branstad. Since then, the state agency has inspected Iowa's 700 hotels and motels only when a complaint is filed or there's a change in ownership. Some of the 13 cities and counties that the state contracts with to perform various types of inspections have opted to continue with routine hotel inspections, but DIA, which has oversight of most of Iowa's hotels, has not. Inset box. About bedbugs. Bedbugs have a lifespan of three months to one year, but can multiply rapidly since one female can lay 300 to 500 eggs in her lifetime. The bugs ingest blood as needed, consuming up to 8 milligrams during a single bite that can last up to 12 minutes. When biting, the bugs deploy skin-piercing stylets in their mouth. The first stylet carries the bug's saliva into the bite wound to prevent the blood from coagulating. The second stylet carries the blood from the human host into the bug. The bugs don't carry disease, and in most cases, the effect of a bug bite are limited to skin irritation, itching that can last several days, and small, fluid-filled skin formations. In many instances, the primary damage they inflict is financial. Because the bugs can be carried from hotels and other locations back to a person's home, the victim may suffer losses related to extermination services, medical treatment, and the loss of clothing, bedding, or furniture that has become infested. Inspecting Hotel Rooms for Bedbugs The Environmental Protection Agency and Consumer Reports have these tips for hotel guests hoping to avoid issues with bedbugs. Luggage When you enter a hotel room for the first time, place your luggage on a raised luggage rack or in the bathroom, which is an unlikely place for bedbugs to hide, while you inspect the room. You may want to pack large plastic trash bags in which to stow your luggage during your stay. Bedding Pull back the bed sheets and blankets and check the mattress and box spring seams for bugs, especially at the head of the bed. Adults, nymphs, and eggs are tiny, but aren't visible to the naked eye. Look for exoskeletons or, quote, skins, end quote, and any dark, rust-colored spots on the bedding. Bed bugs, while tiny, can be seen by the naked eye. The bugs can also be smelled, with an odor sometimes described as a sickening sweet raspberry smell. Furniture. Check upholstered furniture within 20 feet of the bed, especially along the fabric seams. Walls. Because the bugs are typically no larger than the width of a credit card, they may congregate along cracks and seams in headboard, baseboards, and wall outlets that are within 20 feet of the bed. Relocate. If you find signs of bed bugs, ask that you be moved to a new room, preferably in another area of the building. When you get home, tumble dry your travel clothes in a hot dryer for up to 30 minutes. Complaints. If you want to file a hotel-related complaint with the Iowa Department of Inspections, Appeals, and Licensing, go to DIAL contact form, which is at https colon slash slash stateofiowa.seamlessdocs.com slash f slash dia underscore contact underscore form. From there, you can write a complaint describing the problem and upload any photos you took to support your complaint. Education. Healthcare. Iowa has lost more than 10% of pharmacies since 2008, Drake Professor finds. 
by Brooklyn Drazy, October 17, 2023. Research from a Drake University professor has documented what he and others have known to be true, but some denied. Iowa's network of community pharmacies has been shrinking for more than a decade. Michael Andreski, Associate Professor of Pharmacy at Drake University, conducted a study tracking open pharmacies in the state between 2008 and 2022. He found that the total number of pharmacies decreased by more than 10%, with the largest losses coming from independent businesses rather than a chain or franchise. Closures have been more common in rural than urban areas, but Andreski said every Iowan could feel this impact if actions aren't taken to help pharmacies handle high costs of operation. Quote, patients are not going to be able to have access to potentially life-altering medication therapy that normally you would expect to have available, he said. And people, frankly, in Des Moines or Cedar Rapids, just assume that the ability is going to be there, and we've seen that that's even being affected. Andreski's study used data from the Health Professional Tracking Center at the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine, which has recorded the number of pharmacies working in the state since the 1990s. He was able to learn how many pharmacies were open at the time, as he said that number isn't recorded by the Iowa Board of Pharmacy or anyone else. Biggest losses among independent pharmacies. There were 697 open pharmacies in 2008, with 377 located in rural areas and 320 in urban areas. In 2022, there were 601 pharmacies in Iowa, 305 in rural areas, and 296 in urban areas. Chain pharmacies saw the smallest difference, a loss of 11 stores accounting for a 3% decrease, and independent pharmacies saw the largest hit, 87 stores closed, a 38% decrease. Hospital-sponsored pharmacies were the only subset to see more stores open than close. From 2008 to 2022, the number of hospital-sponsored pharmacies grew by 54% from 35 to 54. Almost 1 in 20 pharmacies in Iowa closed between 2018 and 2020. When a community pharmacy closes, Andransky said Iowans are left without critical medical care. Certain medications can be sent to the mail to households, but often patients are losing out on the chance to speak with a pharmacist about any concerns or other information they should know. Quote, that's what community pharmacies do. You go into the pharmacy, and you can talk to the pharmacist, and pharmacists in the 2020s are trained on techniques to help patients be successful as much as possible in their medication therapy, Andreski said. So that personal touch is gone. End quote. Also, some people cannot afford to wait days for the prescriptions to be mailed. A 40-minute drive to the pharmacy might be easy in the summer, but impossible in the winter. This lack of access could cause more problems for those already dealing with health problems. Researcher plans to map pharmacy deserts. Now that the study is finished, Andreski said he and other Drake University researchers involved in the work will take the findings and use them to create maps of where community pharmacies operated in 2008 and 2022. Like food desert maps created by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, these maps will show where in Iowa people don't have access to a pharmacy, depending on how far away they are from one. One of the goals behind the study is to be able to show legislators that there is a crisis in Iowa of its residents slowly but surely losing access to critical health care. Before now, no one was able to point to proof of pharmacies consistently closing which Andreski said allowed lobbyists for pharmacy benefit managers to claim there weren't any problems at all. Pharmacy benefit managers work as a sort of middleman for insurance companies and pharmacies, managing drug plans on behalf of providers. Governor Kim Reynolds in 2022 signed into law legislation that requires pharmacy benefit managers to update their reimbursement rate list on a weekly basis, gives the Iowa Insurance Division oversight authority, 
and prohibits the companies from reimbursing Iowa pharmacies at a lower rate than their own affiliate pharmacies. Andreski said pharmacy benefit managers make costs higher for community pharmacies, causing more to close and leave people without a pharmacy close by. He said when the Iowa Pharmacy Association contacted 97 independent pharmacies, almost half of them were either breaking even or losing money, and around 40% predicted that they might have to close in the next 12 months. Quote, Therein, the Fortune 15 and these community pharmacies that provide a needed service are basically on a financial death watch at this point, Andreski said. And so we're hoping that the legislature could at least make some common sense rules in place to help Iowans have access to these services, end quote. Now, pharmacy advocates will be able to point at the study when lawmakers ask if there's an actual problem that needs to be addressed. From what he's heard speaking with pharmacists, Andreski said many are finding it hard to keep their businesses open. He said students he works with in Drake University's College of Pharmacy and Health Services are unsure of their professional future in Iowa and don't know if they'll be able to fulfill their desire to return to their hometowns and practice. Quote, people are looking to find a way so that the profession that they've invested in economically and educationally and emotionally can continue, Andreski said. There's a lot of, almost to the point of despair in many pharmacists, that we're not going to be able to keep things going. Election 2024, Government and Politics, Capital Clicks, Democrat Sarah Corkery launches campaign for 2nd Congressional District by Robin Opsel, October 18, 2023. Democrat Sarah Corkery, a disability rights advocate, announced Wednesday her plans to run against U.S. Representative Ashley Hinson for the Iowa 2nd Congressional District seat. Corkery, a small business owner in Cedar Falls, launched her campaign website Tuesday, where she shared her story as a breast cancer survivor and mother of a child with a physical disability. In Cedar Falls, she worked to raise funds for building an inclusive park, as well as lobbying for cancer research funding. In her announcement, Corkery emphasized health care rights as a central issue for her campaign. Hinson who has served two terms as a Republican representative for Northeastern Iowa, is, quote, unwilling to advocate for Iowa families, end quote, she wrote, pointing to her voting against a measure to cap the cost of insulin at $35 a month, as well as being the only Iowa representative to not sign on to the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act. Quote, both times when I received my cancer diagnoses, I benefited from a wonderful support system of family and friends to help close the gaps left by the days spent in treatment. But many others that are in the same situation aren't so lucky, Corkery said in her campaign announcement Wednesday. Under Ashley Hinson's leadership, a catastrophic health diagnosis still means choosing between paying your mortgage or paying your medical bills, end quote. Hinson's staff said she is supportive of the Metastatic Breast Cancer Access to Care Act and will co-sponsor the bill. In response to Corkery's announcement, Hinson's campaign released a list of questions for Iowans to ask Corkery on her support for President Joe Biden and the Black Lives Matter movement, as well as her thoughts on the Lynn Marr Community Schools District previous policy of allowing students to use a name and pronouns different from those assigned at birth without parental notification. Quote, Sarah Corkery will be a rubber stamp for the radical Biden agenda of open borders, reckless spending, and silencing parents, Addie Levice, Henson's campaign manager said in a statement. We can't wait to contrast Sarah's extreme 
Liberal Views with Ashley's record of delivering conservative results for Iowans. Welcome to the race, Sarah. You are listening to the reading of the Iowa Capital Dispatch for October 20th, 2023 on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's continue with this week's stories. Government and Politics, Capital Clicks. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks says she received death threats after speaker vote against Jordan. By Robin Opsel, October 18, 2023. U.S. Representative Marionette Miller-Meeks received death threats and a, quote, barrage of threatening calls, end quote, after not supporting Representative Jim Jordan for House Speaker, the Iowa Republican said Wednesday. Miller Meeks, representing Iowa's 1st Congressional District, was one of three Republicans to support Jordan during Tuesday's vote, but who opposed him Wednesday. Jordan failed to earn the necessary support from centrist members of his own party in the two votes, continuing the House's time without a speaker since ousting former Speaker Kevin McCarthy earlier in October. On Wednesday, Miller Meeks voted to support the U.S. Representative Kay Granger the Texas Republican who chairs the House Appropriations Committee. In a news release, the Iowa Republican said she chose to support a different Republican for the role when it became, quote, abundantly clear, end quote, that Jordan still did not have the 217 votes needed to become Speaker. Since that vote, Miller Meek said in a news release she has received, quote, credible death threats and a barrage of threatening calls, end quote. Her office is cooperating with authorities who have been notified about the threats, she said. Jordan, one of the founders of the far-right House Freedom Caucus, received 199 votes in the second round of voting, falling from 200 in the first ballot. The Ohio Republican had the support of Iowa's four Republican representatives Tuesday, and still had the support of U.S. Representatives Zach Nunn, Ashley Hinson, and Randy Feenstra Wednesday. Miller Meek said she made the choice to switch her support to Granger because of the concerns she had, quote, before any vote, end quote, and the need for a speaker who can, quote, unify the conference, end quote. Quote, I understand that voting against Representative Jordan is not popular at this time, Miller Meeks said in the release. I respected Jim enough to vote for him, knowing he did not have the votes to be elected. We have had numerous calls to all our offices, and many have urged that I support Jim Jordan, and many others urged me to look for a conservative consensus candidate, end quote. Jordan condemned as, quote, abhorrent, end quote, threats against his fellow House members on a post on X, formerly Twitter. A post from Representative Jim Jordan at Jim underscore Jordan. No American should accost another for their beliefs. We condemn all the threats against our colleagues, and it is imperative that we come together. Stop. It's abhorrent. 6.06 p.m., October 18, 2023. Christina Bohannon, an Iowa City Democrat running for the first congressional district seat, criticized Miller-Meeks for supporting Jordan Tuesday. Bohannon, a former state representative, criticized the incumbent for supporting a speaker candidate who was opposed, quote, Every farm bill that's come before him in Congress, she said, and who supports a national abortion ban. Quote, Representative Miller Meek's choice for speaker yet again shows her true values, Bohannon said in a statement. 
Instead of working together to empower a moderate option that can get things done for Iowa, Miller Meeks prefers an extremist who is the author of the GOP's nationwide abortion ban with no exceptions for rape or incest, which she also herself supported, end quote. In total, 22 House Republicans did not vote for Jordan Wednesday. Granger, who Miller Meeks supported, cast her vote for Louisiana Representative Steve Scalise. Several other Republicans also supported Scalise, while others backed McCarthy, neither of whom were officially nominated for a speaker. Miller Meeks said Republicans need to work on choosing a, quote, consensus candidate, end quote. Quote, our party needs a consensus candidate so we can get back to the work forwarding appropriations supporting Israel and stopping the insane policies of the Biden administration, Miller Meeks said. Election 2024, Government and Politics DeSantis in Iowa, I Won't Let Gaza Refugees Into the U.S. By Robin Opsel, October 14, 2023, Creston Florida Governor Ron DeSantis emphasized his national security policies on the campaign trail in Iowa Saturday, while ramping up investments in the first in the nation caucus state. DeSantis started off his first of six stops Saturday in Creston, where he told Iowans that the U.S. needs to do more to protect Americans and Israelis as violence escalates between the Middle Eastern state and Hamas, the Palestinian group currently in control of Gaza. DeSantis said media and international organizations like the United Nations will start to criticize Israel for its actions in Gaza. Israel ordered the evacuation for the northern half of Gaza, where roughly one million people live. Some human rights organizations and activists have criticized the Israeli military and government for potentially putting innocent lives in peril in the war with a militant group in an area where roughly half the population is under age 18. While both Democratic and Republican politicians in the U.S. have pledged support for Israel during the conflict, DeSantis said the question is whether President Joe Biden and other Democrats will have the, quote, moral clarity to say there's no equivalence between Hamas terrorists and Israelis fighting to defend themselves, end quote. Quote, you can't just say we're gonna, ellipses, hit a few Hamas guys and go, DeSantis said. You've got to uproot the entire infrastructure, destroy the network, and end Hamas once and for all, end quote. DeSantis also said the U.S. should not accept Palestinian refugees fleeing from the violence. Quote, I don't know what Biden's going to do, but we cannot accept people from Gaza into this country as refugees, DeSantis said. I am not going to do that. If you look at how they behave, not all of them are Hamas but they are all anti-Semitic. None of them believe in Israel's right to exist. None of the Arab states are willing to take, you know, any of them. The Arab states should be taking them if you have refugees. You don't fly people and import them into the United States of America. End quote. DeSantis said he learned about atrocities committed by extremists in the region, quote, firsthand, end quote, while serving in the U.S. Navy during the Iraq War. He linked the recent Hamas attack with the $6 billion in frozen Iranian assets the Biden administration restored in September, saying groups like Al-Qaeda, Hezbollah, and ISIS were funded by Iran. Quote, They've consistently launched terror attacks wherever they can, DeSantis said. So you have that. And what has Biden done? 
Biden has given them more money, end quote. As DeSantis campaigns ahead of the 2024 presidential nominating cycle, he is not only competing with former President Donald Trump, who leads in most Iowa and national polling, he's also competing to keep his place as the top GOP alternative to Trump. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, who has also emphasized her pro-Israel positions and national security experience, rose above DeSantis in national and New Hampshire polls earlier in October. Though DeSantis called for U.S. support for Israel, he criticized aid to Ukraine approved under the Biden administration, saying that the president has approved almost as much money to Ukraine since the start of the Russia-Ukraine war as the U.S. has given, quote, in Israel's entire existence, end quote. He said he would not give a, quote, blank check, end quote, to Ukraine as president and would increase American energy production to weaken the Russian economy. Quote, there are people in this country that want to drag U.S. troops into that conflict, DeSantis said. I will not let that happen as the president. The United States, it's not something that we would do with U.S. troops. So you've got to use the leverage that you have as president to condition an outcome that's basically going to lead to there being peace in Europe. He also said he would pressure other NATO countries to put 2.5% of their annual GDP toward a military budget. While European NATO countries need to be better equipped to deal with European conflicts, DeSantis said these allies may not provide needed support against the national security threat China poses to America. Despite international conflicts, the Florida Republican said America faces a more pressing defense concern at home. Quote, it bothers me when Biden and these people are so interested in doing a blank check for Ukraine, but they can't be bothered to lift a finger to secure our own country's border, DeSantis said. That is not right. You've got to put your people first, and you've got to get the job done here in the United States. DeSantis said Democrats' management of the U.S.-Mexico border has put Americans and the U.S. military at risk. People on the U.S. terrorist watch list have entered the country during Biden's tenure, he said, and that the administration's immigration rules, as well as insufficient support for the U.S. Border Patrol, has made it easier for them to enter. As president, the candidate said he would direct all available resources, including the military, toward securing the southern border, deporting people who entered the country illegally, and building a border wall. Quote, I've said publicly many times prior to this, the terrorist attack against Israel, there will be a terrorist attack in this country that will be able to link to that southern border, DeSantis said. It's just the reality. This is what's happened, and our country is vulnerable. DeSantis said he plans to roll out his, quote, national security vision, end quote, in Iowa in the next two weeks. It's not his only investment in Iowa in recent weeks. The candidate also announced purchasing a $2 million media reservation in Iowa, running campaign ads in Iowa markets beginning in mid-November through caucus night on January 15, 2024. The campaign also announced its plans earlier in October to relocate roughly a third of its staff from Florida to Iowa. As the DeSantis team is aiming to make inroads with more Iowa Republicans, some caucus-goers are still weighing their options. Ted Willis of Creston said while he likes DeSantis as a candidate, Trump remains his top choice.
and that he plans to support the former president on caucus night. Trump has criticized DeSantis on the campaign trail and on social media, but Willis said that does not detract from his appreciation for DeSantis. Quote, I think DeSantis has a lot of good ideas. Getting rid of term limits. Getting rid of, really, a lot of bureaucrats in Washington, he said. Ellipses. I think there needs to be more on the issues, the problems the Democrats have, than on each other. Election 2024. Government and Politics. Presidential candidate Doug Burgum says he'd consider sending U.S. troops to Israel. By J. Wagmeister, October 19, 2023. Ames. Republican presidential candidate Doug Burgum said Thursday he would consider sending troops to Israel in response to recent Hamas attacks on Israel. President Joe Biden called for aid to Ukraine and Israel in an address from the Oval Office Thursday night. In a campaign event in Ames Thursday evening, Burgum, the governor of North Dakota, blamed Biden administration for the invasion of Ukraine and the attacks on Israel by Hamas on October 7th. Quote, the first thing that we need to remember in the midst of all these calamitous conflicts that they are occurring around the world is that all of these things were self-inflicted by the policies of the Biden administration, Burgum told reporters following an event that hosted about 80 attendees in a backroom of Jethro's BBQ restaurant. Burgum criticized the Biden administration for recent hostage deals with Iran. The U.S. allowed the transfer of $6 billion in frozen Iranian assets last month in exchange for the release of five prisoners from Iran. Quote, when you start paying for hostages, you're going to get more kidnapping, Burgum said. So again, all of the situations we find ourselves in really is a stain on Joe Biden that we should never, never forget that. Burgum called Iran a, quote, parent company, end quote, of Hamas. When asked if he would support sending American troops to Israel, Burgum said, quote, everything's got to be on the table, end quote. Quote, absolutely, you would have to consider, bracket, the use of the American military, end bracket, because they've attacked Israel, they've attacked us, and when people are killing Americans, they need to know that there's going to be consequences, Burgum said. Aid to Ukraine, quote, one of the greatest bargains, end quote. Burgum called U.S. military aid to Ukraine, quote, one of the greatest bargains that Americans have ever received, end quote, because Ukrainians are willing to fight and, quote, now have destroyed half of Russia's military capability, end quote. He said the U.S. should make sure money sent to Ukraine is spent wisely, quote, ellipses, but if anybody just said we can use a fraction of our military expenditures and take out half of Russia's military capability right now, I mean, that's a dream come true for our military, particularly now when we're edging closer to World War III and we've got, you know, conflicts brewing all over the world. One attendee, J.P. Swanson, an Iowa State student, said one of his big voting issues right now is foreign aid. Swanson said he believes aid should be sent to Ukraine, but not to Israel. Swanson said he was attending to learn more about Burgum's platform, but leans toward former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. Debate polling requirement a, quote, clubhouse rule. Burgum said he has met three of the four criteria to qualify for the third Republican presidential debate, which will take place November 8th in Miami. The threshold Burgum has not achieved is the polling requirement, 
which Burgum called, quote, a clubhouse rule made up by a couple people at the RNC and actually takes power away from the voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, end quote. In addition to criticizing Republican National Committee's qualifications for the debates, Burgum said the debates themselves, quote, used to have some gravitas, end quote, but now is more like reality TV. Quote, it's not even political theater. It's actually reality TV. They're trying to create real-time reality TV conflict because that's how they try to save their dying media models. But I'm not part of that, Burgum said, addressing a question asking him why he was not, quote, aggressively attacked, end quote, the other candidates on the stage. One attendee, Janelle Huffman from Ankeny, said she came to see the North Dakota governor because of his performance at the second and most recent debate. Quote, when he finally got some questions, I was really impressed with his answer, ellipses. I really don't know him, and the name recognition isn't there for me, Huffman said, and also said she was impressed with Burgum and his wife, Catherine. Huffman said she is still looking for her first choice candidate, but said she wants someone who can get elected. Quote, I don't know if his name recognition is enough, end quote. Huffman said she voted for Trump twice but said, quote, he has so much on his plate, end quote, which she called bothersome. Burgum speaks in favor of pipelines. Attendees also asked the native North Dakotan about carbon capture pipelines, a topic heavily discussed in both his home state and in Iowa. Burgum, an advocate for pipelines, said he's confused by the controversy over them because North Dakota has been moving fuel through pipelines safely for 23 years. Quote, Liquid fuels, decarbonizing liquid fuels, that's Team USA. You want to be on Team EV? That's Team China, Burgum said. Quote, you can't have an oil and gas industry in this country and move it all by truck on highways. You've got to have pipelines. It's the safest, cheapest, smartest, easiest way to manage all of the flows of materials that come from that industry, end quote. However, he seemed to stop short of endorsing the use of eminent domain to force easements for pipelines on unwilling landowners. Burgum said he believes the market will sort out the property disputes. Quote, do what people in North Dakota do. If you don't want to take a big check for an easement for a pipeline, then just say so and let your neighbor take the big check, Burgum said. Healthcare. Justice. Tenants of senior living complex sue over alleged bedbug infestation. By Clark Kaufman, October 19th, 2023. The owners of a large senior living complex in Waterloo are facing a class action lawsuit brought by tenants over an alleged long-running bedbug infestation. Teresa Allen, a current tenant of Walnut Court Apartments, and Gary Montgomery, a former tenant of the complex, are suing 315 Walnut Co-op and Larson Management, the two companies that own and manage the 91-unit apartment complex. They're suing on behalf of themselves and all similarly situated individuals who have lived at the complex since the alleged infestation began in 2018. The tenants claim that for the past five years, Walnut Court has been the site of a, quote, raging, unabated bedbug infestation, end quote. The defendants have attempted to address only through half measures, allowing the insects to repeatedly migrate from one area of the complex to another. The lawsuit claims that over the past five years, the owner and manager never informed prospective tenants of the infestation, leading to additional problems. Tenants have allegedly suffered bites, rashes, anxiety, and parasitosis, 
and have had to discard household belongings such as clothing and bed linens. The lawsuit seeks unspecified damages for consumer fraud, premises, liability, and breach of contract. It also seeks a court injunction ordering the remediation and eradication of the alleged infestation. The defendants in the case have denied any wrongdoing. State records indicate 315 Walnut Co-op and Larson Management are owned by David and Kendra Larson of Denver, Iowa. David Larson declined to comment on the case when contacted Thursday. State and county real estate records indicate the Larsons also own and operate South Hills Senior Living and the Colonial Manor Apartments Senior Living Complex, both of which are located in Waterloo, as well as the Willow Winds Assisted Living Center, a state-licensed care facility in Denver, Iowa. Ag and Environment Capital Clicks Rainfall Eliminates Exceptional Drought in Eastern Iowa by Jared Strong, October 19, 2023 Substantial rainfall last week over a wide area near Cedar Rapids helped alleviate the worst drought conditions in the state, according to a U.S. Drought Monitor report on Thursday. Exceptional drought, the agency's worst dryness designation, for weeks had persisted in several east-central Iowa counties, primarily in Benson and Lynn. It has been downgraded to extreme by the Drought Monitor. Most of that area had two or three inches of rain last week, which was overall very wet and colder than normal, state climatologist Justin Gleason reported this week. The statewide precipitation average was about 1.85 inches, nearly three times what is normally expected. The state also averaged temperatures of nearly three degrees below normal. Despite the improvements, about 94% of the state is suffering from some measure of drought. That includes an area that stretches from Iowa's northern border to its southern border and occupies nearly a quarter of the state that suffers from extreme drought, the second to worst designation. The state's drought is still among the worst it's been in decades. There is adequate moisture in 43% of the state's topsoil and 26% of the subsoil for growing crops, according to a Monday report by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Drought conditions are expected to remain in most of the state through the end of January, the Federal Climate Prediction Center projected on Thursday. Election 2024, Government and Politics Commentary There's no hiding it. Iowa Democrats lost big with caucus decision. By Dave Nagel, October 19, 2023 Iowa Democratic Party leaders returned last week from St. Louis, where the fate of the Iowa caucuses first in the nation status was determined. Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart and others proclaimed a great victory and that Iowa will no longer host a competitive presidential contest to lead off the nominating season. Instead, they traded this honored spot for permission to hold a meeting. Having lost their pants, we Democrats should be grateful they were allowed to come home in their underwear. But we are assured that having the caucus reduced to a simple party organizing function, which we do every year anyway, will enable us to focus on a new objective. We are going to devote our efforts to, quote, electing Democrats. We need to be honest. The party lost. Rural America lost. And the nation lost to a new nominating process that will place more and more emphasis on money and less on presidential candidates being measured by personal, one-on-one -on -one interaction with voters. Saying that we are going to start anew and focus on electing Democrats implies that the party hasn't been doing this for the last 40 years, when we had the caucuses and won our fair share. I guess we best call up former Senator Tom Harkin, the author of the American with Disabilities Act, and tell him he was never elected. 
alert Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack that he was not governor for two terms, and Leonard Boswell's heirs will be surprised that he never served multiple terms in Congress. Mike Gronstel was never Iowa Senate Majority Leader. Don Avenson didn't rule the Iowa House for six years as Speaker and changed the name of all the federally funded projects that Neil Smith brought home to Iowa, including the money that helped rebuild the state after the flood of 93. So here's the first of the items the party lost. The strengthening of the Iowa Democratic Party by the presence of presidential candidates and their money and staff brought to Iowa over the years. For example, I can remember watching how State Senator Eric Giddens benefited by having every presidential candidate contribute resources, staff, and presence to enable him to win a special election in March of 2019. Instead of working to be more competitive, we're going to be left with a party and our candidates to compete against a GOP with a massive financial advantage that will be extremely difficult to overcome. But there may be an even greater diminishment when one considers the fact that Iowa was the only representative of a rural state in the early nominating process to select the party nominees to be the President of the United States. We sit in a state, like the others that border us, and watch our rural hospitals close, or see a newer lower standard of medical care for citizens of small towns. We regret, but are now powerless to stop, our small town schools struggling to find adequate funding to fully fulfill their mission because the money is diverted to private educational institutions. We are told we should worry more about which bathroom a person chooses to use and what sports they should be allowed to participate in based on their perceived gender. We pride ourselves on banning books. We will have to instruct the female voter to call her state senator or representative doctor since the legislature will make her most intimate health care decisions for her. By reforming child labor laws, our kids will skip school to work in our hog slaughtering and chicken plucking factories. Now, no would-be presidential contender would grace our land to argue against these conditions. This is the existing order of life in farmland. Of course, there are reasons why the governor of New Hampshire held a celebratory press conference when he learned that his state would hold the first contest in the Democratic Party. Iowa has been eliminated, but there is also reason to hope, because at least the early date was saved for party organization. While a mistake of major proportions has been made, nothing except our will precludes us from returning to the top of the heap in 2028. The party has good leadership and is, for the most part, working to restore Iowa to a two-party state. On this issue, however, calling St. Louis a victory is simply an attempt to hide what we lost. But we can get back with some backbone. Dave Nagel of Cedar Falls is a former Iowa Democratic Party state chairman and three-term U.S. congressman from Iowa. And that does it for today's reading of the Iowa Capital Dispatch 4, October 20th, 2023. I'm your reader, Stephen Gazier. You can access the recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org, anytime. Thanks for listening.
I'm getting older. Do I need to worry about falling? Yes, you do. Every year, one in four people 65 and older will experience a fall, and many result in serious injury. The majority of falls happen at home, so take a look around. Replace bulbs and add lighting to help you see obstacles. Remove things that can make you trip. Fix uneven steps and floors, and install handrails in bathrooms and on stairs. Consider balance or strength training exercises, which can help with agility. Get your eyes and hearing checked regularly. Changes in your hearing can affect your balance. To learn more, please talk to your doctor about steps you can take to help prevent a fall. You can also visit aarpfoundation.org or medicaremadeclear.com slash falls. This message was brought to you by United Healthcare and AARP Foundation.